What's up, bitches? We have a really special bonus episode for you today. Following our conversation about Mulan, we thought it would be best to release our long-awaited Lion King episode. This is the first episode we ever recorded. We had no idea what our structure was going to be, and we were kind of just figuring it out as we went along, but we thought that y'all might like to hear it. We talk a lot about how artistry changes and handwriting and what an artist's handwriting looks like at the end and that's kind of the form that we always see but we never see the baby version so we thought we're going to show you our baby writing of our episodes in it the bitch meters at the beginning because we didn't really know what our structure was um it's a little earlier in the episode we were still trying to figure all of this out but we thought it'd be a nice little throwback for you all to see and look at how we've grown and changed even over these last 10 episodes. We're so excited for you to hear it. Can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, I'm Gaia. I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why, uh, where, a show where we talk about things that we like, things that we hate, and why they exist. Let's just jump into it. We, we have this idea for an opener that's like, little things that we are interested in right now in the world in the world of like media um things we're snacking on so do you have any of those nita i actually have two snacks so for future listeners uh we're recording in june during the protests against police brutality just to give everybody like an overview of like where (laughs) where in time we are and it's been a time and I think a lot of really cool things have been coming out of it in terms of anti-racism educators so I've been taking this class by Rachel Cargill called The Great Unlearn and it's awesome I think it's on Patreon and I've just been like reading all of the readings that she posts every month and it's kind of amazing and I'm learning a lot and I just think that like this is the best time to do something like that and it's funny because I signed up for it like three weeks ago and I was like okay I've I've like it's in my thing and I'll look at it and then everything happened and I was like oh okay actually I need to read this right now and she actually has been posting templates on how to email your professors and your academic institutions so oh by the way guy and I both go to NYU Tish which is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So I've been emailing and protesting a little bit, but I can't go out too much. And then signing petitions and donating. But I think like change starts where you work and where you learn. So NYU, please uh, be better. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is What's snack number first. two? Snack number two. The world is very rough right now. Things are rough. And I just noticed myself needing something wholesome and pure. So I have been watching the Tangled series on Disney+. (laughs) And you know what? It's actually amazing. I watched the animator's YouTube videos or an animator's YouTube videos. It's so good. The plot is great. It's like a three season arc. And you can tell that they like laid it out all the way before they even started making it. And everything works with like the lore of the first movie. It's so good. And the character development and the all the same voice actors from the original. It is so good. Like it's actually too good for like a kid's show. And I don't believe that it is a kid's show. I just needed 
that in my life uh, while everything was so scary. And I think I binged it in like three days. That's sweet. I have some snacks. Yes. What are um, your snacks? I just like, I was like, oh, I don't have any snacks. But then I realized that I just drove cross country and I listened to two audiobooks while driving cross country. The first audiobook I listened to was Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov, which it's a good book. Vladimir Nabokov did hate women, but I don't know. I think it's like the kind of book everyone should read. I th- It was like, it has a lot of hype around it and it's really good. You're not going to believe this, but I downloaded it yesterday. Oh, oh boy. Isn't that wild? You're in for a fun, sexy time. Oh, man. Um, Okay. Unfortunately. And I also listened to Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, which I actually think that many, many people should read, especially because of all the protests and stuff going on right now in June 2020. Um, But it really, like... It engages with whiteness in a really productive, interesting way, talks about what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a woman. Very exciting and interesting book. And Celeste Ng is like such a good author. We should talk about everything I never told you on this because it's my favorite book ever. Have you seen the Hulu series with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington? No, I I loved it. My family and I binged it. Um, We benched it up until like the fourth episode, which is what they released. And then there were four more. And so we had to wait every week. And this was at the beginning of quarantine. Um, And we loved it. Oh, have you read the book? No, I have it on my shelf. I've heard there's some divergence, but you should read it. And I should watch the series. Perhaps we'll do a Little Fires Everywhere episode. That'd be very fun. Stop. We're so cute. Well, speaking of content that's not wholesome and that doesn't make me happy... Let's talk about The Lion King 2019. The Lion King 2019 uh, came out July 19th, 2019. It was directed by Jon Favreau, who I've been informed was in. He was happy in Iron Man. He's also director. There's this movie called Chef that he directed and starred in. That's You know what? Good. I've seen that. You do know. And that's John, a sexy movie. Not Jon Favreau from Crooked Media. It's a different Jon Favreau. He's wonderful. And he did Jungle Book, which is why they asked him to do Lion King, because he did such a good job Aww. with Jungle Book. Almost a year ago that it came out. Wow. I feel like we should lay out all of our Disney biases. For the people to be open. Yeah, I feel like it'd be unfair if I didn't come out as a Disney fan. Um, So I'm coming out right now for you all. She lives in California. Yeah, I'm a huge Disney fan. I grew up in Southern California. So I am guilty of getting the annual pass and being like the most annoying person on your Instagram feed. I'm sorry. I'm also coming live to you from a bedroom where I have a bunch of Minnie Mouse ears on my wall and then I'm drinking out of a Little Mermaid mug. So I'm apologizing. I watch this Disney so YouTubers. Cursed. I know. And I still keep tabs on the drama on Diz Twitter to this day. Diz Twitter. Disney Twitter. I have Disney bounded. No, I will not show you pictures. And I've seen every remake of all the Disney movies and I cry at each of them. And I am simple to please in the moment, but I always leave the theater going, bitch, why did you remake that? I didn't realize how much of a Disney fan you were until we were, like, talking about what we wanted to do with this. And you were like, oh, yeah, according to this, like, Disney fan Wikipedia page and, like, the fan lore surrounding Scar, we'll talk (laughs) about it. Um, Anyway, I think, like, for our bitch what, um, I... I want to try and see, like, who can describe the Lion King in the fewest words. Oh, okay. 
So we're gonna do a little bitch what yes. real fast. Hamlet, but lions. It's not though. No, Sorry. I know it's not. <laughs> okay, spoilers for the Lion King, I guess. But here's the Lion King in a nutshell. Baby cub named Simba. He is growing up to be the king. His dad dies, but oh, it was his uncle who killed him. But then the uncle, the uncle blamed it on Simba, and he made him feel bad. He actually literally traumatizes him, and he's like, "You did this." And then so Simba runs away, and then he meets a gay couple, Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> Who is a they're a meerkat and a warthog and they're like, dude, no worries. Like interracial life is gay couple. Interracial interspecies gay couple. And then his childhood best friend comes back. She finds him. She goes, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Get up, we gotta go. He doesn't believe it. Then Ghost Dad comes. Ghost King King Hamlet comes and he's like, Hey, go be king again. And he goes, Oh my god, okay. And then they overtake Scar. I mean, Claudius, and I mean Scar, and then- <laughs> It's not that similar to Hamlet. It's not. It's not. Because Hamlet dies at the end. Hamlet does die. Hamlet, every, everyone Hamlet. dies. Spoilers for Hamlet. Spoilers um, for Hamlet. Um, and then he takes his rightful place as king in the circle of life. How did I do? That was not very few words, to be honest. <laughs> I, I would say, um, baby lion leaves <laughs> his home after the death of his father. Comes back, <laughs> regains rightful throne. It's like the British monarchy, but with lions. If you don't know the plot of The Lion King, like, what what are you doing? Why are you listening to this? You know, if you don't already know the plot of The Lion King, I guess we can just say outright, just don't watch the live action remake. Don't. Yeah, don't do it. Just watch the other one and you'll have a yeah. better time. And and so I'm very excited about this. We're going to go through our bitch meter. So our bitch meter is our very scientific and mathematic way of quantitatively deciding how good this movie is. So we basically we've got a series of categories that we ranked The Lion King on in order to give it a score out of 10. If The Lion King didn't engage with it at all, then we didn't put it. Yeah, it's not assessed. The, The categories we've kind of ranked it in are queerness. Uh, inclusivity surrounding queer people, uh, gender, how it deals with gender, um, race, how it deals with race, uh, disability, how it deals with disability, body, body positivity, and class. Okay, so just trust us on the calculations. We'll not do all of them for you. We've already done it. So on queerness, we decided there's no explicitly queer characters, so it's not assessed. But it does get a plus one because Timon and Pumbaa are gay. Like, they just are. And if you want to argue that, please take it to the comments. We're right. You're wrong. They're gay. And that's on period. And, and, <laughs> that, and that's on period. So we, even though it's not assessed, they get a plus one for truly adorable gay couple representation. Queer representation we deserve. Yes. Better than the like actual queer representation Disney has. For gender, we gave it a two out of five, I think, because there's only one woman in it. No, that's incorrect. There's Nala, um, and then there's the mom, Sarabi, and then there's the the hyena villainess, Shenzi, and she's the lead hyena of the pack. 
So so perhaps we should have given it some slack on gender. They did try to give the the female hyena like more power in this one versus the cartoon. But I think a two is still correct. There's, it's about it's a boys movie. I don't know. It's a boys like, movie. I, here's here's the, by boys movie. I mean it's filled with boys. Okay, I was like, and wait, this is not a McDonald's toy decision, Gaia. This is like, yeah, you know me. I'm like super like binary You're like gender super essentialist. gender essentialist. I think it also loses points for like the whole like weird like aside. Like this is like a problem with the original Lion King, but we'll talk a little later about how like this movie exacerbates some of the problems with the original Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um. It, the the like weird arranged romance between Simba and Nala, like and that being Nala's like primary character attribute, like I, she's got some badassery, but like to be honest, like there are like forty, not forty. There's like ten female lions, and they're alone with Scar. And why didn't they just overthrow him? There are more of them than there are of him, but they need Simba to come back. I don't know. I sound like I sound like a turf. You do a little, but it's fine um, because it's lions. and um, It's fine because it's lions. No one's going to cancel you like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it's a boys movie. I think a two is still correct. We're right. So for race, we decided that it gets a four out of five. We've decided it's a four because of the extremely diverse cast. And they did change the cast from the way it was in 94 and it's extremely diverse so it's got a four it doesn't touch disability at all so we didn't even bother Um, it doesn't touch body positivity except for in this one line (laughs) um, which i wrote down my favorite part it was incredible if there was like a moment where timon and pumbaa were like facing down the hyenas and there's the hyenas are like pumbaa you're fat and i was like wow another movie for children like spreading the message that being fat is a poor character trait and it like if you're fat then you don't have anything of worth like wow this is gonna be a fun joke I'm so excited for this but then (laughs) then it turned into this whole thing about Pumbaa being like no you know what that's not a problem like and then he just like kicks their ass he like gores them with his warthog horns They, they call him chubby and then he goes you're calling me chubby and then Timon is like Oh no, you guys have done it now. And then he's like, I will not feel bad about who I am. And then he says, I may run from hyenas, but I will always fight a bully. And then he beats the shit out of them. (laughs) It's so dope. So we gave it a plus one for body positivity. Totally. It deserves that little plus one because it was lovely. And then for class, we gave it a one. And we'll talk about that later. But if you know, you know. So The Lion King, after we did a series of complex mathematical maneuvers, we gave it a 6 out of 10, which I think overall is the rating I would give this movie. Yeah, same. Cool. Shall we move on to Bitch How? Yes, let's move on to Bitch How. So the idea behind Bitch How is we want to go through, we're, we're art students, and so our entire like lives and careers is like figuring out how things work artistically. And so the idea behind Bitch How is we want to go through like what this movie is doing artistically and how it succeeds and fails at those things. So something we talk about a lot 
in school and just in life because we're artists is the the way like you as an artist have control over the kind of things the audience takes out of your work and the Mm -hmm. kind of questions they ask about it so it's it kind of like in layman's terms i think it's more like suspension of disbelief but i think this is one of the things that the lion king fundamentally fails at is controlling what questions the audience asks and that's because of the like live action although it's not actually a live action movie it's all cgi it's cgi it's an it's just the animated lion king except for like weird but what they've done by creating animals that are like hyper realistic and that behave in the way that animals do all of the suspension of disbelief that you're able to use during the lion king the animated movie is like totally shot like i came out of it and i had a whole existential like dilemma about cannibals because like oh yeah simba and like some random gazelle had a conversation and i was like simba you eat gazelles like that is food. There's also like, a moment King. where he's like he's like still baby Simba and he's with Timon and Pumbaa and he's like, "Oh, I'm so hungry. Like, do you guys have any antelope?" And the antelope like his ears go up and he goes, "What?" And cuz this is like they go into a jungly area that's more than just Timon and Pumbaa, which is different from the 94 version. So like they're surrounded by like little critters that he could eat. And he's talking to them. Yeah, and and by having these animals be live action and have the having them interact, you're actually you're forced to like confront the ideas behind a circle of life in a lot more like visceral of a way. There's this scene where Scar is eating an antelope and it's like kind of like a bloody graphic scene this movie is overall like a lot more graphic this movie's so violent but instead of like kind of being able to like look at that as like oh it's just the circle of like you have to like imagine that all of these animals are on the same intellectual playing field and somehow they still buy the whole circle of life mentality For me, it was just, like, so, like, jarring and spooky every time they did anything. But it it was because of the form they chose that I was asking these questions about cannibalism. Like, they didn't. Like, I didn't have to think that. They just, they, like, let that happen. Well, I think the problem is with this form of making it, quote-unquote, live action, when you root something in realism... Now you have the problems, all of the problems that come with realism versus like a very brightly colored animated movie. You're not really thinking about like the fact that the animals are talking to each other because their faces like look almost human in a way. So you can relate to them. and You don't think about cannibalism (laughs) never crosses your mind. But there's so many moments like that throughout this entire movie where I'm like, why is this happening? Like, what's going on? Like, what is this? What is the structure of this? And also the lions, like, allude to a weird war between the hyenas since the beginning of time. That's in quotes because that's what Shenzi said. And I was like, what? What is this? Like, has there been, like, in the animal world, like, an, a lion and hyena problem? Like, I truly, like, I thought I was watching, like, a National Geographic documentary half of the movie. I was like, this just looks like animals. I mean, throughout, like, there's just a challenge behind suspending disbelief. I mean, when you hear people talk about this movie, the big thing that people talk about is how detrimental the animation is Mm -hmm. to the enjoyment of the film. Because, like, genuinely, it's just a really boring movie to watch when you watch the animals just kind of, like, dead face with these actors, like, trying to bring it. But they really, like, like, the animals are giving them nothing. Well, lions, like, their face is so lifeless. 
So, like, especially, like, in their eyes, but with the other animals that are a little smaller, there feels like there's more going on, and you can kind of marry the voice to the to the animal moving. But with the lions, like, truly, they're also so big. Like, they're huge creatures. So then when you're trying to have them, like, dance and sing, it just doesn't work. I also, like, I think the movie, the moments where the acting the face acting of the animals worked were when the animals were feeling things that you could maybe actually see a lion feeling like when the lions were angry or scared it worked really well but when they were like trying to be joyful or like heartbroken like lions don't experience grief the same way humans do like the animation was a poor poor choice and it kind of it gives you the wrong jumping off point to make thematic decisions about what it's trying to say it you can't really do any of those things because you're just asking all the wrong questions and that kind of goes into our second really big like broad thematic question about like how this functions as an artistic piece which is like why do things take the form they take right I think every piece of anything like from a play to a movie the four really important aspects are plot setting theme and character and each medium, 2D, live action, or CGI, has a different way of distributing the importance of each of those things. So I think, like, an animated movie, often I think theme and plot are probably the most important. And, like, maybe character. But then when you're changing it to this live action setting, they literally, like, setting is so important. But that's not the most important thing in, in the animated movie. Like, you're not thinking about, oh, how realistic does this desert look? But now the whole time this movie is forcing you to be like, wow, look how real this looks. And I'm like, that's not even the point of this movie. I, I mean, to sum it up, the yeah. animation fails the actors. It makes you ask the wrong questions. It makes you, like, feel the wrong ways about things. And it doesn't thematically serve the film. Yeah. I think maybe I could actually forgive a lot of these sins if if they had instead decided to, like, make more choices surrounding, like, animal life. They kind of tried to when they were, like, talking about the circle of life and they're like, oh, like, it, it, can we eat other animals? But, like, maybe if they talked more about, like, how animals can be cruel without knowing that they're being cruel, like, if they could somehow integrate that into the Lion King's themes and make it seem justified that they were using real animals instead of cartoon animals, I think maybe it would have failed less hard. They tried a little bit with Timon and Pumbaa being like, oh, it's not a circle of life. It's a yeah. meaningless line or whatever. Yeah, it and was, I was like, like the oh, line. that's interesting. Because then Pumbaa's like, I mean, think about it. Like, my actions don't affect Timon. And if it is a circle, that means my actions do. And I'm a bad person. <laughs> and they're like making fun of that idea. But ultimately, the arguments they're making are just proving that the circle of life is correct. And that's as far as it kind of goes. I don't think the Lion King realizes this, but I think like an interesting thought surrounding the Lion King is that the idea of the line of life, I think, better upholds the lion hierarchy than the circle of life. Because mm. if like your life is just kind of like a line that like you don't affect anyone and nobody affects you, then... The idea of a lion going and eating a Giselle, 
I think the like the hierarchy makes more sense if your actions don't affect other people. But if the circle of life means that it, the the circle of life is a really egalitarian way of looking at the world, and so if the if life really is a circle and lions don't have any powers o- any power over gazelles or zebras, then they like if that is a reciprocal relationship, then the idea of the lions being in charge of everything is kind of stupid because the lions. <laughs> They shouldn't have any clout if there really is a circle of life. You're I think right. the movie undermines its whole its whole main point by having a lion monarchy. Lion monarchy. I just think that all of the changes in this remake are visual and they didn't need to be because I think that intertextuality is like a word that gets thrown around a lot when talking about these remakes. And I first heard the term on like a nerd writer video, which we'll put in the in the show notes or something. Um, but it's like the in- intertextuality is the shaping of a text meaning based off of another text. So this movie, I feel like you are almost required to watch the original Lion King in order to have any of the emotional context for this movie. Like it's fully relying on all of the emotional gravity from the original. So it's like shot for shot the whole time. Like even with the first scene, the movie is asking you to be like, oh my God, look how real it looks like compared to the original. Look at this like feat of technology. But it's never saying like, look at this wonderful, look, like look at this great story we're telling because we've seen the story before. So so they're just trying to impress us and therefore it's just not, it's actually not as impressive as it could have been and i don't think intertextuality is a bad thing i think it can be used really well to supplement storytelling when it's used wisely and sparingly but remakes inherently are intertextual because they use your nostalgia to like make you feel good like i cried in watching it the very first time because the score that score has like i've grown up with it like it makes me cry no matter what so i remember like watching it the first time i was like why why am i crying this movie's not that great but it's just the music and it's just that scene, like seeing that scene projected, even if it's on like live, live action lions, it's still going to have the same effect. So they're just like banking on that nostalgia. And like it kind of is interesting that when you think about why Disney makes these remakes, which is like kind of our fundamental question, like why mm-hmm. is Disney doing this in the first place? And like the idea that they don't really have to do anything in order to get you to watch the movie it it kind of like exacerbates our like our overlying question which is why the fuck would you make it then i think right. um just like before we move on to bitch time like another a couple more ways that it artistically fails their use of musical elements is really confusing they have all three types of music they have diegetic oh, yes. sound which means that the lions are actually literally singing in the universe. Um, it's during, they, they sing like, the lion sings tonight. <laughs> they sing that literally in universe. And then they have musical theater style sound, which means that they're not actually singing. They're like singing in their souls. Mm-hmm. And that means like they're singing. And then they have totally non-diegetic sound, which is music just being played over it. The one thing I wanted to say in terms of like, bitch, why did you make this? I feel like they're trying to rewrite the past and trying to do this like revisionist history thing, but they don't even lean into it very hard. So there's actually no surprise. And I feel like they'd be better off 
dubbing over the original with the new voices. And I understand like revamping something like Pinocchio or Dumbo and the movies we only remember for like for the aesthetic and not so much the story. But The Lion King, like, as a movie, still holds up. Like, it's still a masterpiece. And it's, like, one of my favorite movies to this day. It doesn't, it just truly, like, in asking and answering the why question, it makes no sense. Because I feel like they're remaking these movies because they were popular and not because they have anything new to say, but they're framing it like, oh, don't worry, we're doing new things. And it's, like, Using this meta commentary in the remake to justify its existence, like they're like, we gave Nala a larger part, therefore this movie should exist because Nala is more of like a feminist character or something. Or like, if they wanted to retell the story, why not add something different? Like, after I came away from that, I was like, I don't remember anything new except for some of the comedic dialogue because comedy is easy, it's like easily updated. I mean, my favorite part was like John Oliver. Um, we love John but Oliver. But they underutilized him. He they deserved more. They truly underutilized him. But he, like, John Oliver, Seth Rogen, uh, Billy Eichner, like, all of their comedy is great. And that's the only stuff I remember when I try to recall anything new. But anything that popped out to me as, like, a genuine moment of emotion was something I'd already seen before. So my question is, like, if you're gonna remake it, like, maybe we'd all be happier if they fully change the plot like if they did something different like our generation i think is less inclined to the ideals of like having to follow the path that's laid out for you more so than the kids who watched it in 1994 i don't know what i want from that kind of storyline that goes in that direction but like the disney remake agenda is framing itself as like a revisionist agenda so then like lean into it you know Part of the reason Disney does these remakes is for copyright reasons. Oh, right. Yeah. Because their copyright's about to run out. And I'm wondering if they changed it too much, if that would somehow like mess with their copyright, like if they wouldn't have copyright claim over it. But also oh like God. that would be so dumb. Since I'm now angry about Disney, <laughs> can we bitch? Yes, let's bitch. <laughs> bitch time. Yeah, five minutes. Okay, um, all of Scar's personality is gone uh, because he's not gay anymore. Um, he's straight now. He's straight, and we'll talk about his backstory not in this because there's not enough time. Um, I don't understand why this exists. Um, all of I'm the- just- Wait, what are you going to say? This is what makes art die. Sorry. <laughs> This is what makes art die. Well, I um, think it for me it represents the death of art. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, the only things that I found interesting were like the changes in dialogue. Uh, Nala as a cub, her face is like slightly smaller, and I googled what Lion King cub like lion lion female cubs faces look like, and they look the same as lion male cubs. So they really just made her whole face like tinier because they're like she's a girl. that's fucked up i didn't even know know about that um it was really boring to watch and i didn't want to be watching it the whole time which i think is like a sign of a fail well this is it's not necessarily true but like one of my signs of a failure of a piece of art is that i don't want to be watching it i got like two-thirds of the way into it and i was like this movie is over it's too fucking long it's it's 30 minutes longer than the original the original is so breezy it's an hour 30 it's 
done and you're like oh wow that was so fast and this movie feels like like it feels like an end like an end game style epic like it was just too much um, um the- scar is an incel scar is an incel and Scar's it's weird an <laughs> um, um he says like he says to mufasa like i wouldn't dream of challenging you again and i was like oh no um and then he said sarabi like this is your fault because you didn't choose me like 10 years ago or something because he's an incel he's an incel that's so spooky um the the moment where pumbaa is like quivering before the um hyenas and they're about to eat him like really fundamentally disturbed me (laughs) it was so scary the whole movie is so violent and scary like it's so scary my sister watched it today for the first time, and she was like, if I was five watching this, I'd be so scared. We just watched Lion Murder. Like, that was murder. Like, when we watched that and I saw Mufasa's dead body, I was like, I'm looking at a dead animal. The, the like, fights are, like, fights. They're, like, They're scary fights. fights. They smack They're spooky. the shit out of each other. Um, I feel like this movie represents, uh, f- like, the hubris of man. Like, for me, this movie is the artistic version of, like, um, we we were so focused on whether or not we could make it. We never stopped to wonder if we should. Like, should we make AI life? Like, should we go to Mars? Like, this is what this movie represents. The movie is, like, just a flex in technology, and they don't even care. They're just like, look, we built a VR world, and then we filmed in it. Look how cool we are. Like, that's all it is. It's like the Avatar of Disney remakes, you know? It, it, it's, it's, just, it's gross. It's gross. Scar's face is so fucked up. Like, his, he's balding. It's so weird. It's just so you can tell which one is Scar, because it's the one with, like, the sh- smaller mane. Um, he's, like, the malnourished his, lion. He's the malnourished, like, little lion. And then there's this one part where baby Simba's like, I'm gonna have the whole kingdom. And Scar, there's this, like, serial killer music that starts playing, and he looks like he's gonna push him off the cliff. It's so scary. Oh, uh, I want to talk about the psycho violins that played during when... Okay, go back and rewatch the Lion King remake, except for don't, <laughs> but watch this part of the Lion King remake, where the little... The, 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 what's, the wildebeests are going into the canyon and it's like the score but then there's suddenly random like psycho violins like horror movies like it's really bizarre freaked me out psycho violins um uh beyonce i'm so sorry i'm so sorry to anyone who loves beyonce but she's not a good voice actor and there i said it please you can cancel me and i'll explain later when we're not in the bitch fest um but i'll talk more about beyonce but truly i just didn't think she was all that great i'm sorry uh (laughs) She, I, it's tea, but we shouldn't say it. It's tea, but we shouldn't say it. Um, what else? Oh, one time, there's one part I saw a vein in Scar's arm. Like, I saw the vein move, and I wanted to throw up. <laughs> um, they it's didn't so use, gross. they underused John Oliver, and I'm mad about it, because John Oliver is the perfect guy to play Zazu. <laughs> they truly underused John Oliver. Like, he, he is the 2000, he's the 2020 Mr. Bean. Like, of course he is. Like if he you were deserved do, better. The casting was great, and I just think they could have dubbed over. I said it, or I already said it, but like truly, they could have just done that. They had too many close-ups. Uh, the whole movie just made me bored and angry, and not for real reasons, just for like art reasons. 
That and was that's five time. minutes. And that's um, time. Since I forgot to explain at the beginning of Bitch Time, Bitch Time is our five minutes to talk about our feelings. We think that too many reviewers talk about just like their like own personal emotional like reflex reactions when they see these things. Um, and we want to be better than those reviewers because <laughs> we are awesome. We're better because we've identified their flaws and we are avoiding them. By have, giving ourselves five minutes to be sad and angry. Um, But it's time for Bitch Why. Um, Why did they make this? What were the, like, overarching impacts of them making this? We have big thoughts on this. I don't think that there will be any impact. This movie will have made no impact in terms of, like, kids saying i grew up with this movie maybe it has an impact in terms of technology but i just don't think that it's gonna have an a lasting effect on anything and i think that's just the symptom of all of these live action movies we talked a lot when we were planning this episode about representation and the idea of righting the wrongs of disney's past Mm -hmm. um and we came up with kind of a neat idea of identifying representation the trident of representation let me know if you can think of a fourth prong and then it'll be the fork of representation basically the the idea is that there's three different things that representation functions to do the first is to physically show the body underrepresented bodies on screen so that is like showing dark-skinned people on screen showing disabled people on screen showing gay people kissing so that the children will turn gay like the idea (laughs) that like showing showing underrepresented bodies does something good for the world. The second is the idea that you're giving underrepresented actors or artists a chance to get work and to like be paid and like changing the way our industry is made up. And the third prong is telling stories that aren't traditionally told. And I think that If The Lion King is a win for diversity, then it does fail on all three prongs. Yes. Agreed. The first prong is showing bodies that are underrepresented. Underrepresented. I think since there are no, like, human bodies in this movie, that's kind of a hard thing to try to achieve. I do understand the push to having really excellent black actors voice the lions i think the way place where it fails the hardest is the idea that part of representation is inviting new people into the room who haven't gotten work before and paying them for their work so all of the all of the black actors they hired incredibly talented um actors and musicians donald glover chiwetel ejiofor and then there's a couple actors like the the actress who plays shenzi i've not seen in anything so there's some people, but they're not the leads, you know? So Yeah, they're they're not inviting new actors to the really table. Known. And also, if the idea is like the the casting is more accurate to the story, like The Lion King is set in Africa. Right. The reason why so many people were like the lions should be played by black actors is because it's in Africa. And so that was like the the push and like the reasoning why. But my question is, why aren't the actors then from Africa playing these lions? If we wanna, if we want to go that route, 
why why aren't we like leaning in completely yeah and giving some african actors who are like very much not a part of mainstream hollywood give them some jobs give them our cash money like Mm -hmm. we need to give some african actors some money like they deserve it and also like the third prong um on our trident is i mean telling stories of underrepresented communities i mean like I don't know if, like, lions are considered an underrepresented community. There is some Lion King drama. There is, I think it's a Japanese cartoon that looks almost shot for shot like the Lion King. And they were like, Mm -hmm. no, we didn't steal it, but they might have stolen it. Which, this is drama from 1994, so I don't know if we can get into it. But, yeah, it's not an original story. We we talked about how we like gave the Lion King an absolute fail on class in the bitch meter. Oh yeah. So the Lion King isn't a story of like black Americans or black Africans. It's a story about a monarchy. Yeah. It's like a monarch it's like a royal drama. It yeah. feels very British. Scar has a British accent a lot of the time. I don't understand why the lions have to be black and the sidekick characters can be anything yeah that doesn't make sense it feels i don't know it just this feels so this is such a confusing conversation because what is the point of changing the actor voices if not to then give representation to the community quote unquote that you're trying to represent but what is the community because they're lions This movie, I think, was also kind of a vehicle to get Beyonce into, like, the Disney family. So she has a concept album kind of in the same vein of, like, the Kendrick Lamar concept album for Black Panther and then the concept album for Spider-Verse where, like, she got full reign and she got to, like, make this very beautiful album based off of The Lion King. And so I listened to it this morning and I'd already heard a few songs and I really liked this album. But the difference, I think, between this album and the Black Panther one is like a lot of the songs don't really even have anything to do with the Lion King. And it's kind of just like Beyonce has a deal now. I think she gets to make like three movies with Disney. Now she's fully in the Disney family. Like she's she's making stuff with them. And I think they just wanted her on board for things. There's some issues with this album in that the Lion King technically takes place in East Africa. And all of the artists that she's invited on this album are from west africa so like nigeria um a lot of the artists are artists my cousins who live in lagos are familiar with and the only thing that i can kind of tell is that the album has interludes from the movie but there's nothing explicit like even in the black panther one kendrick is like he's saying like he's making references to the black panther movie um and then in the spider verse one all those songs show up in the movie at some point So they're like really involved and it makes sense to exist. So someone, this is from an Atlantic article. Someone says that the gift fails to include even one artist from East Africa, the region where Lion King is set, and instead chooses to elevate artists from countries in Africa that have already experienced crossover commercial success in the United States. It's an incisive criticism that reveals the ways in which the gift, which is the album, is beholden to a Western capitalist gaze and thus falls short of its promise as Beyonce's love letter to Africa. I think it's really interesting that then the person goes on to say that they think this album is a love letter to blackness and blackness more than Africanness, which is the current that runs through the album because Beyonce often references her skin color as her source of worth and power. So 
that's a really beautiful sentiment. I think that's really interesting that this person who's written the article explains the difference between like Africanness and blackness and what that means and and why even somehow sometimes this album is not doing what it's set out to do, which is uplift African artists from the place that the movie is technically supposed to be from. And they gave her autonomy to write this album. I think it's awesome. The initiative to include artists from other countries is cool. And it also kind of makes me wonder why the same care wasn't given to recent remakes like Aladdin, even though it is hard to find artists from a fake country that doesn't exist and pulls influences from all over the Middle East and South Asia. Tune into our Aladdin episode. (laughs) And I don't know if I'll even have the same question when the Mulan remake comes out. I don't know what Chinese artists they will ask to be in some sort of concept album, if at all, if they even care enough to do that because they don't have someone like Beyonce. I think she does use it to uplift Black and African artists because they come together on this album. But I do think that this person is a little bit correct in terms of a lot of the artists are already artists who have had commercial success in the U.S. and aren't from East Africa. I just think that's interesting. You know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of two things. I Mm. I think part of the reasons Black Panther and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, best animated movie of all time, um, truly were such successes and like why the albums that go with them are so successful is because those movies actually do engage with blackness and American blackness specifically. Mm -hmm. Both of those movies have a very very distinct understanding especially black panther has a distinct sure. understanding of the difference between african blackness and american blackness which i obviously can't speak on but like their movies engage with those and the lion yeah. king doesn't like the lion king again is a very british movie like in terms of its like style like what the plot is doing um the other thing that it makes me think of is the general american tendency to think of africa the continent as like a homogenous place. Yeah. Yeah, like a homogenous region. Like even I earlier I was saying hire actor African artists and like that is like such a generalization. Like Africa is huge and culturally diverse. And so the idea that like Beyonce is making an album with African artists and she's pulling from West Africa as opposed to East Africa like kind of represents our like general cultural misunderstanding of Africa. And also like like our I mean like it is so easily drawn back to our historical like you can pull it all the way back like historically to like the Berlin conference when people were dividing Africa into nations with no regard for like the cultural backgrounds that existed there because white people and western westernized civilization doesn't have a good understanding of what Africa is like we don't we're undereducated about it and when we try to engage with it we fail and that is dumb and that's the impact of the lion king and well and what i know of of the west african music scene is it sounds like it takes a lot of influence from the american music scene and i wonder i don't i don't know what these conversations were like but i am also like why weren't east african artists included what why is that a thing like what happened there like who decided no And also, when did we decide that the Lions had to be played by black artists? I'm so confused. Like, it's it's a very confusing thing. And, like, why is that the pinnacle for, like, Disney saying, oh, we're diverse now, you know? 
it, it kind of reminds me of the conversations that were happening. We should probably do an episode on the princess and the frog, but like oh, yeah. about like the princess and the frog where and and one of our problems of representation being like physical bodies. Like we'll include black people in our art when they're not going to be like physically shown in our art. Yes, black people in animated film never get to be black people. They're they are frogs and lions. And then there's a Pixar movie coming out called Soul. And yeah, it's, and he's uh, like a weird he's a wisp. little soul thing. He's a little thing. And I'm like, why can't black people just be black? Disney doesn't understand what's important about re- representation. Like the idea that like that we can like sit down and break representation down into like what its functions is. I think that's a really important concept. And also like I don't think Disney has a strong understanding of like what art is supposed to do and like how to ask those questions of like when we choose to it goes back to when we were talking about how this piece functions artistically like when we make this movie quote-unquote live action what does that do to the content what does that do to the message that it's trying to say and that like Disney doesn't ask themselves those questions and because of that a lot of their movies that they're trying to remake fail because that they don't need to ask those questions because they're a media conglomerate. And that's part of the danger of media conglomerates is that they, right. in art, is that they don't need to do the things that make art great. I just wonder why, like, yeah, why why don't they sit down and have a conversation of, like, what needs to happen? And also, the only African actors, African from Africa, is Shenzi, who is, like, an evil hyena. And then Rafiki. So why is it just like the evil one and the mystical one? Beyonce have a, has a very distinct dialect. Uh, she's from Texas and she speaks in like a quote unquote like black scent. Donald Glover has a different voice. He's from Queens, I think. He's from New York. Um, everyone sounds different from everybody else. And then when you put them in Africa as animals, it gets just a little more confusing. I mean, what really hit me that you said was the idea that like all the comics are... I mean, like, if you're really going to go for representation, why not hire black comics? It's because they were just hiring famous people. Right. Um, that was, like, a big thing that got this movie off the ground is that it was a bunch of famous people. I have an issue with the fact that famous people exist, but, like, that's a story <laughs> for another day. Totally. I mean, there. I mean, there's also, like, Trevor Noah, who's from South Africa. It's a... This is a confusing thing to try to pull off, which makes me ask, why did you try? Like, in the first place. Or just... Like, make an interesting movie about black people. I don't know. Yeah, make a different do that. movie. Or just make a, make a different movie with black people actually getting to be black people. We could try to make another black princess movie. I think that'd be great. Unfortunately, Princess and the Frog was not well received, um, even though I, I, there are moments in that movie I really enjoy. Keep trying. Like, I feel like Princess and the Frog stopped them from trying ever again. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just keep going for it. Like, try again. It like goes by high goes down to Disney's general problem of seeing whiteness as the default. And so like they like and I think they should engage with the the people that they're trying to represent on screen. Like I think that's a good idea. I think when they don't do it, they fail. But like there are so many people in the world and all of your movies are fantastical and fucking crazy. So why should every character be white? I mean, like this is like obviously like the most shallow version of this conversation like of representation like the like kind of anger of like why why not is like obviously the most like surface level way to think about it 
But right. I mean, I don't know. Disney could ask themselves that question. They could have done like a 30th anniversary edition of the film that comes with maybe like a dubbed version with these other actors. If that's if that was like so important to them, because and also like some of the score, like some of the additions to the score is really cool. They brought Lebo M back, who did the music for the original, and he like composed some different things. There's like different elements that are like, I hate this term, but like authentically African. But it's like really beautiful music that they changed. So like I understand like the want to to represent a culture, but like they're not people. So it feels like ingenuine. Like, Black Panther did a better job of representing African culture because they were people who could show you the culture and, like, be a part of it and not just, like, lions singing. Not to say something that I totally disagree with, but, like, it's Lion Hamlet. It is is Lion Hamlet. So we were talking about Scar, and I think we were on the subject of, like, why is the lion hierarchy like this? And you were like, why is Scar so mad? Because this movie made you actually ask why Scar was mad when the cartoon does not. There are two versions of Scar's backstory. One is from these these like children's books that were made in 94 when the movies came out. And one of the like little novels is called A Tale of Two Brothers. And his original name was not Scar. It was Taka, which means wish or want in Swahili. Um, And he had become upset when he learned that Mufasa was going to be the king and not him. And he met the hyenas and the hyenas were like, oh, if you challenge Scar or you make him look like a fool, then he will be forced to, like, give you the throne. So this leads to Taka tricking Mufasa into going down to the waterhole where a Cape Buffalo. This is on the Disney wiki, by the way. You can all read this if you want. Um, a Cape Buffalo called Boma is refusing to share the water. The rest of the Pride Lands are in a terrible drought, so this is, like, a very bad thing. Mufasa tries to reason with the buffalo, and then, uh, Taka, who is Scar, tells the buffalo (laughs) that he has to move by order of the Lion King or fight Mufasa. Then the buffalo charges out of the water at Mufasa. Mufasa, like, jumps out of the way, and he beats the shit out of Scar, and then Scar gets a scar. And then he gets called Scar. Um, and then in The Lion Guard, which is the Disney Plus show, I think it's also in Disney Junior, he was born with the name Ascari. So there's another version that this is, okay, this is where the Tangled series is good at making lore that works with the, with the original thing. And The Lion King just has terrible, terrible things that should not be canon. Ascari was given a power called the Roar of the Elders. So if you're the second born, like the little kid in the Lion Guard is, you are like a part of the Lion Guard. You're not going to be king or queen. So this lion leads Scar to a trap and a cobra bites him in the left eye. And that's how he gets the scar. And then the venom turns him evil. Oh, And that's canon. It says right here. Due to using the roar, roar of the elders for evil, Scar lost the power completely and descended into depression, becoming shriveled and weak. And that's tea. <laughs> that's, that's a mood. And the venom that's in it. his body started to corrupt him, and he thought that Mufasa should no longer be king. Now, that's so much more than I need to know about the Lion King, but that is all canon, and I hate that. 
All right. And with that, let's do a quick rundown on what we're working on and then say goodbye. I spent this whole day uh, doing a scene breakdown for the play I'm writing, and it sucked, and I don't think it was helpful, and I'm sad about it, and I think I'm going to quit writing forever, except for I'm not. Anyway, that's what I'm working You're on right now. I'm writing to... a play. This is Butterfly and Ernie Went Looking for the Birds. <gasps> Butterfly and Ernie. A classic piece of theater. I'm currently working on a screenplay, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, it's for a movie that I'm not going to be making anytime soon. I'm started, I started writing it because I was very mad at the show Never Have I Ever. I just thought it was like not that great. So I'm writing my own movie about a little brown girl that wants to start a punk rock band. That's baller. Thank you. I'm very excited. I think it's cute. Uh, please, nobody steal my idea. I will be so mad if you steal my idea listeners if you manage to derive my idea from the title then you deserve it great Great. you can follow gaia at gaia rose river on instagram you can follow me at nita underscore tadani on twitter and instagram and you can follow the bitch why podcast at bitch why podcast on instagram and twitter you can also email us at b.tchy at gmail.com send us an email tell us what you think about the episode Thank you to our editor, Cameron. Cameron. And and I think that's it. That's it. Have a good that's night. That's our first episode. That's our first episode. Have a good night. All right. We did it. Stop. What's the what's our send-off? Bye, bitch. Bye, no. bitch. Uh <laughs> that's it now though. <laughs> that's it. Alright, I'm stopping recording. <laughs>